All right, welcome everybody to our latest Between the Races podcast on the MX Vice Network. Thank you everyone for listening and supporting the site. We really appreciate it. We'd first like to thank our sponsors in Fly Racing, Monster Energy, Fox Racing, Parts Europe, Scott, Bell Helmets, Acherbis, ASV Performance, Kawasaki UK, KTM UK, and of course, Even Strokes for all their incredible support. As without them, none of this would be possible. All right, for this episode, we've got an Aussie motocross special. I'm joined by special guest Trent Ma from Moto Limited. How's life? And thanks for joining us, mate. Mate, life is good. Thank you for having me on here. It's uh, it's a little different being on the other side of the uh, podcast. I'm normally the one hosting the thing, so it's nice to sit back and actually answer questions for once. No, nah, mate, I appreciate you taking the time. It's, um, yeah, what you've done with Moto Limited, the platform, it's great. And before we get cracking, just for the people that aren't familiar with you, um, just firstly, tell us what you do, how you got started, because obviously there's so much work to, to get you where you are today and to become such a respected platform in, in America and in Australia, obviously. So yeah, just talk us through it, mate. The reasons for starting, it's obviously fueled by passion and there's a lot of dedication, commitment and, and you know, turning that dream into reality, mate. So, yeah, talk us through it. Yeah, I mean, it, it started in uh, 2020, basically COVID, right? Um, sitting at home like everyone was, uh, just kind of contemplating life choices and where life was going to take us next. And um, I always have wanted to be in the industry, uh, being grew up racing and everything. And then I just kind of sort of, I've always been good at talking, I guess, a little bit. And I was like, I want to, I like listening to podcasts. I'm like, surely I can do that and cover the sport here. So I kind of kickstarted off with that. I did some, just some one-on-one podcasts to start and it was kind of sporadic. And then, um, you know, the racing all started back up and I thought, well, I can do a weekly one. So talking about the U S stuff in a little bit different view and kind of grew from there. Um, like Nick still started coming about 20 odd shows in and 15 shows in or something like that. And we sort of grew the platform together. And then obviously we parted ways in the last uh, sort of six months, but you know, we just both had a passion for talking about the sport, not only domestically, but internationally. And um, yeah, just wanted to kind of do it in our own way and kind of has taken us to a lot of cool places and talked to a lot of cool people. And now, you know, it's nearly been three years and I'm kind of like, still love it. It's, it's, it's a lot of work, but it's, um, it's uh, it's been in the industry and some of the stuff I've got to witness, see and be a part of, I'm like, dude, again, 2020, I was like, this would just be a cool hobby, you know, on the side. And now it's a, it's a full fledged sort of organization and trying to get to races, get film guys to races and talk to writers. It's like, it's like a, it's a full-time job that I do kind of still part-time. So it's kind of crazy, but uh, yeah, I love it. Yeah, mate, all the hard work's paying off for sure. And what, what are the sort of future plans you have for Moto Limited? And do you ever sort of take a second and look back and feel pretty sort of satisfied and proud of what you've done so far? Or are you sort of always, always looking ahead? Uh, yeah, I mean, the goal is to keep growing the platform, um, more interaction. Like I like to interact with fans and listeners. Like I, I want them to be part of the show. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm just a big fan of the sport myself. So I don't want to feel like people on the outside looking in. I want people to come and be a part of it and, um, you know, grow the, grow the sport and the industry as a whole and, um, doing that sort of stuff. So, I mean, yeah, it's just keep building, keep growing and expanding into some cool ideas for some future projects I have and, and keep building the the platform. Um, looking back, I kind of do a little bit, like I always stop at milestones and always try and have a look back. Cause it's always good to kind of refocus on what the future is. You can kind of get bogged down in the day to day and, Oh, I grind this out, got to do this, have this deadline and 
it's cool when he gets that big milestone where you can sit back and go, oh man, like imagine back then if I was thinking about these things now, I, I, I again, don't believe I could. So, you know, had show 100 was a big show. Look back on that 12 month show. We look back on that. Every time I have a Christmas show, I seem to, we go back through the archives and look at some crazy stuff we've said and done over the time. So it's just, um, it's always cool to do that because it, it also quality too. I mean, I, I hate going back to some of my first ones because man, the quality is horrible, but again, it helps you grow, helps you be better. It's like riding and racing, right? You look at, you watch film to make yourself better. It's the same thing here is you listen to yourself talk and you go, Oh, I did that too many times, or I said this incorrectly, or I got to stop saying this or, you know, all those sorts of things. You just kind of get used to listening to yourself back and critiquing yourself and, and go, all right, for the future, I'm going to be better. Yeah. Well said. There's always a lot of ways to improve. Uh, yeah. Since I've been doing this is definitely, uh, yeah, coming a fair way since, you know, trying to limit the ums and these kind of things, mate. But uh <laughs> we're slowly getting there. But yeah, another cool thing you obviously really do, obviously you talk to the the heavy hitters in 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 the sport, but you also have so much time for the the privateers because they are the lifeblood of the sport, like you say, mate. So just a few words on them and and you know how much respect you have for them because what they do is uh nothing short of impressive, is it? I mean, I was one of them, right? I mean, I didn't chase the the full circuit I, I never had the funding and i was a very young dad so i you know that age group that you would try and chase that dream i never got chance so but i know what it takes i know what it costs and i know the lack of exposure those guys get so i kind of want to help them as much as i can get the exposure tell their stories give them opportunities to do the cool stuff you know and not just the main guys and and uh, yeah, it's you know most of the time they're super appreciative, and as I said, I guess it just comes from my lack of wanting to be in the industry so bad. Uh, when I started this, is like I want everyone to feel the same, um, and get to the same spot. So I, yeah, I take a lot of time for the privateers. It, it it's kind of fun sometimes. You get a lot of you know a lot of cheek, a lot of banter from the boys, and and again, just the the look on their faces when you kind of hand them stuff. You know, like I've. You know, we had a, a go-kart night a few at Gilman and, you know, I gave out some vouchers to the boys, you know, from the guys at, you know, at Link for some tires or whatever they needed. And they, you know, they were like, wow, like that'll help for next round. And, um, you know, we did a best whip competition yeah. at Toowoomba yeah. and gave out some money. Like I just, like to me, it's all that fun stuff and getting everyone involved, even though the pro guys, you know, the, the factory guys got a little angry that we didn't tell him about it and i said hey it was on instagram if you follow the instagram you know um but yeah it's all about just having some fun too like and and they seem to have a lot of fun like they take it seriously they're spending lots of money but they have fun and and it's not you know into the truck out of the truck and that's all you know very serious very focused it's it's kind of having a laugh in between races and and bringing it back to the roots so i do i do i love the privateers and um yeah they they give us a, a good source of entertainment most of the time yeah they're pretty good humble down to earth dudes that just love a laugh and you know the other day we were just ben and i from x vice did a podcast with charlie cole a young a young british guy and he's you know working 10 hours a day as an electrician but gets up early does training before and after work then you know goes racing on the weekend so it's it's impressive what they do mate and um with the with the plans looking ahead are you, are you sort of going to hit some u.s races or go to the motocross the nations even with us aussies being so good mate is that is that on the cards any of that i mean i had i had motocross the nations penciled in but 
It's just not, I don't think it's going to fit in the budget this year. Um, I really wanted to just being one in France. Like I've always dreamed of going to France and, and especially seeing the French fans and how they react. I'm like, I just want to be in there, but I just haven't seemed to put all my ducks in a row yet. I definitely want to go back to the U S I hoping by the end of the year, I might go race over there, do world vets, but I want to kind of get back and do Anaheim one again. Like that was surreal that, um, that place and that feeling. And, you know, you've seen on TV, you know, hundreds of times and you kind of like, I'd love to. And then walking into the stadium and, um, so hopefully, yeah, next year I can go back and do some stuff. Um, but yeah, as I said, it's kind of, I put a lot of my budget back into the industry and the sport here. So it's kind of, if I got some of my own stuff, I'll, I'll, uh, pay for my trips over there. But, um, yeah, hopefully I can get back and, and go, especially Anaheim one. I said motocross the nations was a big one, but I just don't, I just, I'm bummed. Yeah. I'm trying not to think about it. Cause it <laughs> kind of annoys me seeing as though, you know, we are probably going to be really good and it's, and it's in France and I'm just like, ah, damn it. But yeah, there's always next year. Yeah, yeah, chainsaws and flares and uh, yeah, bonfires made. It'd be pretty, pretty epic. I'd definitely love to be going, but like you said, I don't think the the budget will probably stretch. But uh, we'll have to enjoy yeah. it from home. And and while we're on the topic, mate, how good is it for the Aussies? Obviously, you've got the Lawrence brothers and and Mitch Evans. He's coming back, and it's yeah, probably probably our best chance ever to win. I did so well last year. Obviously, what would your take with the team be, mate? Obviously, with Evans, if he's not up to where he wants to be, or he has another injury or something, who would you take? Would you take Ferris, Beaton, Webster, Tanty? Uh, there's so many good dudes. Or would you move Hunter up to a 450 and put Crawford and Todd or even Ferris on a 250, mate? There's there's so many options out there. Where, which way would you lean? I mean, it, you know what it is? It's a good problem to have, yeah. right? Like, you know, US right now is, you know, they've got two guys and they're like, well, we're going to have to send a rookie. And, you know, like we have options of experience as well as youthfulness. We are primed for probably a good six seven year run here of being pretty darn dominant at at the sport of um, motocross and and motocross of nations for the future so man i I guess it's just going to come down to who's healthy and fit i mean i i heard and fans will be fans right but they're like dean ferris should be in line for motocross of nations for 23 and i'm like it's not an out there suggestion like he's he's literally crushing it right now but you know as he said you got tanty um, you know, and then you've got the 250 guys that you could throw over there on 250s and put those two Honda guys on 450s. Like, there's so much option that I'm like, kind of just going to be excited when we get to that point in the year. But I do think that our team, probably for the next year, maybe two, depending on what Evans's deal looks like for next year, I think it'll be those three. Um, just with just with Mitch racing in the GPs, uh, if he continues to race in the GPs. I think he's the best pick and then obviously jet and hunter are just no brainers right so i think that's kind of our team for the little while unless one of them is injured or whatever happens but yeah it's a it's a great problem to have if you're australia and and i mean podium last year like i hope we we nail the top step here and maybe go on a run and i it'd be the obviously the first time in history that australia would ever go on a run right or or even win for that case yeah. so let's let's uh let's start there first before we talk about runs but i think we're in for a good shot as long as we can keep all those guys in the team for the future 
Yeah, you think you think about obviously that being at an A, obviously someone like Ferris who's who's done so many years over there, and you know, obviously yep. Todd Waters, uh, he's probably not where he wants to be, but he's got so much going on as well. Like anyone, you know, beaten that experience is pretty yeah. crucial heading there. So you can see why they're being mentioned, and um, yeah, that two fifty class, like I reckon if you put uh, Wilson, Todd, and Crawford in, in the MX two class, you know, obviously the age rule scuppered them, but I reckon they'd be right up there because they are flying at the moment, aren't they, mate? Yeah, they're killing it. I mean, they're uh, they're really putting on a show for everyone, especially the you know three of the last four races. They've battled all way to the death. Um, so I think they are. But at the same time, like we have a lot of young talent just waiting in the wings for those guys to probably go up to the four fifties and and take on that that um, opportunity. So yeah, I mean, I think they're. I mean, we seen what Wilson Todd did last year on a 450 at Coolum. I'm like, dude, why do I want to see that? Like a full season of Wilson Todd on a 450 would be scary for the opposition. But yeah, I mean, there's there's those guys on 250s. We've got so much talent sitting underneath them that's waiting. That you know, the MX3 class is bubbling away down there as well. Like it's it's a it's a good time in the sport for us here in Australia, not only domestically but internationally with with the talent we've got starting to come from here and, and move to those places. And as I said, it's kind of led by the Lawrence brothers right now, but I, you know, I think we're, we're about to see an influx of riders uh, into those two different sports, MXGP and, and American scene. I think we're about to see a, a fair few exit, which is exactly what we need because it shows that our, our breeding ground here is, is working again. And we are sending riders out to, to other countries and, you know, it does hurt our domestic series, but yeah. I'm all for having us, having our top talent around the world and representing our country on the world stage. Yeah, it's absolutely, it's definitely, it's just, yeah, brimming with talent, like you said, mate. And obviously you look at someone like Cade Minier, he's, he's so young and doing so well on a factory KTM. And you were saying on your show that he's off to America to do some supercross training and just some training with the Orange Brigade over there, which is a great opportunity for him. He's obviously already doing the the Beatons Pro Formula training down there. So he's like, you know, given up a lot moving from WA. And you had a great interview on your, you know, one of your recent pods with him about the sand race. And he was just like on a 350 monstering these, you know, adults, you know, like Webster yeah. and just crazy, isn't it? And another guy I'd love your thoughts on is Regan Duffy because before that accident, he was obviously penciled in to, to head over with FNH Kawasaki. And he's a massive talent, mate. So if he can you know, slowly get back to where he needs to be, he's, he's frightening, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, he is. We haven't seen it back yet and i think it's going to take time and and it may never come back right the that talent that he had or that that freakiness of where you're just like this kid is the future like i it may never come back he may be maybe good in the future but i don't know if they'll ever come back but yeah he's um he's getting slowly better like he can see it coming back but i mean dude there's a lot of mental demons that that dude has to face every time he hops on that start gate that i don't think people understand you know and and um you know i kind of i've spoken to kirk gibbs about it as well he had a very similar experience um back in 14 i think it was and you know, 12 or 14 one of those two years and i was just like and i even asked him and he's like some days you just get on the start line and it comes back and you don't you don't know you have no plan of how it just sometimes reappears and you just have an off day and i think he's going to be struggling with that for a while and and if he can overcome it he'll come back but i don't think we'll ever see him reach the heights that he was going to right and which is fair like he he was seriously seriously hurt so 
I mean, just seeing him back on a bike is a massive mm. achievement in itself. Yeah, and just uh, Caden, thoughts on him, mate, all the way to the top. Oh. A lot of these kids, they're seeming to favour Supercross over MXGP <laughs> in some ways, which is fair enough in, you know, with the money and, you know, the appeal of it, you know, everything surrounding it. Um, obviously, we saw young Owens chance his arm in, in Europe, which we're expecting more of that in the future. But, yeah, it's exciting, mate. So along with Caden and, and Liam, um, obviously that MX3 class, like you were saying, Dennis, Mather, yeah, Owens, Cannon, Williams, Drew, like there's so many kids. Who, who are your picks to really make a name for themselves overseas, mate? Uh, well, obviously the two easy ones are going to be Minier and, and uh, Owens. They've already got opportunities or gotten opportunities and put their name on the world stage. Uh, I definitely know Byron Dennis. Um, they have plans for his future. Um, his mum's American. I'm very positive his mum's American. So they obviously have ties over there. But um, I think those guys are probably the next sort of three to come through. Uh, so same with Cannon. Cannon yeah. is, I mean, <laughs> what he did in Moto Two at Toowoomba yeah. is what I've seen him do all year long here at a state level. And yeah, if he didn't get uh, stuck in the gates, but the bike stopped yeah. before the gate dropped, if he didn't have that in race one, I don't. He's won one and fastest qualifier and fastest for free practice. He was the quickest dude all day. So um, he's the next one, and I know they have plans, obviously, to follow his sister's footsteps yep. to go to Europe as well. So I know there's definitely plans in in motion with that and trying to get his name over there as well. So I think they're the three, are uh, the three or four that I could see going over. Um, other than that, I think there's some dudes that have got some growing to do, and there's some there's some guys that are coming to that we haven't seen yet. Um, that we're going to be like, oh, damn, like that that's the next wave. And that's that's the exciting part, right, is that there is more coming. And, you know, right now it looks like, oh, there's like three or four guys. Like there's kids coming that are you just wait till they get here and go, oh, wow, we, we've got to – we are going to be brimmed full of talent here shortly. Yeah, it's good stuff, isn't it? It's exciting times, mate. And just sort of continue on. the. What do you think is the, the state of play in Aussie motocross? It's in a pretty good level, obviously. The TV package is excellent, especially compared to a lot of other domestic series around the world. The product's getting better. It's obviously one major problem which we all touch on is the gaps in between races, yeah. uh, fan engagement drops, I mean, you know, the interest drops. It's probably not great for the riders doing all that riding and not racing. Obviously, the series like the Sunny States, which you know all about, that sort of helps fill in the gaps. Yeah, just a few things like that, mate, that, you know, be good to iron out in the future, have more rounds, or I know it's not easy to organise any of this for the for the guys in charge, but yeah, just a couple of things and and maybe your thoughts on some maybe different tracks or obviously it was great having Toowoomba back. You saw what a, what a great venue and a great racetrack that was. So yeah, your take on some of them, mate. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, obviously it's it's getting better. We, the the thing we got to look at is where two two and a half years post COVID, right, where we had nothing, um, and they took it over right during that. So MA are learning different things and and building it, and they're putting infrastructure in for growth and that in the future. So, like I I see it. Um, Definitely, we want more rounds and more racing and more more tracks to choose from. But it, it's just it's got to walk before it can run, and that's why I think people kind of you know compare everything to the US, right? And it's like, yeah, I get it. Like it, it, they, but they had a very proven formula before all that happened. We have had a promoter changes and everything like that, so they've got to learn. So I think we're getting better. 
Um, as I said, I like to see more rounds. I like to see a little th more done in the way of pit areas for privateers. And again, this just goes back to my privateer roots. Like uh, at Toowoomba, they were all pitted up on the hill, right? Which is the furthest point from any civilization. So um, I know it's a room thing, whatever. I, I have ideas, but I think we need to invest more in those guys because again, they're the ones investing into the sport. So we need to fix them. Uh, tracks, I mean, the track debate's always hard because the the thing that people don't think about with tracks is that we are we need tracks that are close to infrastructure. People fly into the like for me, I fly to every round, hire car, um, accommodation, you know, so it's gotta be close to to all that infrastructure, an airport, you know, one with hire cars, you know, everyone can get readily available accommodation, like Kuna Barabrand is the one that gets thrown around all the time. It's in the middle of nowhere. So the infrastructure there cannot support the traveling circus that Primex is to go there. So it's hard because we need to have that stuff. And most of those tracks that are in that catchment area aren't the greatest tracks of all. But again, we uncovered Toowoomba this year. Well, not uncovered. It's been there forever. <laughs> but we've re-uncovered the fact that this thing is nearly it's literally on the outskirts of the city. Like you can drive to the center of the city within about 10 minutes of you leaving the motocross track. Um, so yeah, like I think we need to have places like that more and find those tracks here and there. That's for sure. Do, 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 the, do they ever come to you for, for your advice and any thoughts, mate, obviously, cause you've got your finger, you know, well and truly on the pulse. So they hit you up with advice and obviously what you're saying is probably a key reason why we don't have some Western Australian rounds uh, yeah. on the, on the circuit, obviously like man, you might be pretty cool to get there and these kind of things. Cause there is some great Western Australian riders too, isn't there? Well, for sure. Like I want to go to WA like the next person, but again, like it, it, the infrastructure and the money it costs to ship the circus over there. Right. Um, so yeah, I want to go to those places, but, it's we need the sport to be in a much more stable place than what it is right now to to do that but um yeah i i think i don't know if they listen <laughs> i don't i don't know i've never been in the conversations there's a um you know amg is supposed to be the the group that runs that never really been approached or had a conversation i mean they've had one meeting since their inception with the privateers which again i thought they were about that so I mean, th there are people, but again, that's sort of why I started my platform, just to have somewhere where I can vent my opinions and um, start the conversation. I mean, things get changed over conversations, not over, you know, just keeping it to yourself. So it's kind of what I do. I put it out there and, and talk about it. I mean, you know, I, I even thought about a class idea the other day and it started yeah. to get a little bit of traction, you know? So it's just one of those things where, I mean, I'm open to having a conversation with anybody at any time about anything, but I'm not, you know, I'm not going to go and approach them and say, hey, you need to do this. Like, I'm going to put it out there. If you think it's a valid thing, come and have a chat to me and, and let's go. and Let's see where we could all lead this thing. But I said, there's, there's so many different people in different places that it it's kind of like, well, I'm just going to put it out there. And, and if they want to take it seriously, I'm here and let's, let's go.
Yeah, mate. Well said. Yeah, like you said, with the traveling circus, it's kind of like the MXGP with Indonesia. And, you know, a lot of the smaller teams don't end up going just because it's such a strain financially. And yeah, you probably lose a lot of privateers that wouldn't end up going. So that's that's another thing you want to really factor in when making any decisions. Yeah. So yeah, just in, in a couple of things on the TV package, mate. Um, yeah. Someone like you know, might be a good addition, you know, with JT seeing what he does over there, you know, knows all the riders really well. Have you ever sort of yeah. thought that'd be a cool idea or approached him with Doing some TV stuff, mate? I mean, my hat's been in the ring for a year and a half, two years now about TV. I'm I'm down. If they'll give me a shot, I'm in. I mean, Toowoomba was the first time I actually lived announced at a national, which was kind of yeah. cool. Um, I just hopped up there and, and said, hey, I want to have a shot. And they gave me a shot. So, um, yeah, I'm always down. I'd love to. I said, seeing what JT does in, in the US, like, you know, uh, that's kind of my goal i'd love to do tv i'd love to do any of that sort of stuff and um yeah as i said dms are always open they can slide in anytime i'll uh i'm happy happy to do whatever just just to be around it and, and use my knowledge and use my facts and again i got you know denny ham gave me a plug the other day on the yeah. show i'm hoping that helps open the door because they're like oh that's some interesting facts yeah full of them bring <laughs> bring me to the races i got full of facts let's go yeah, mate, how's the voice going uh, from doing that? Because you were saying it's pretty shot and uh, you're a bit sick from it too, from the fella next to you. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think it's a combination. He was uh, he was definitely not feeling the greatest. So that's kind of why I jumped up and gave a hand too, because I know that job, how hard it is, A, by yourself and B, when mm. you're not feeling the greatest. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I guess I sound okay today. Like it feels better to talk. But yeah, the first two days of the week were tough. Like I don't think it was from that. I think it was more just, obviously got this sickness everyone's got around so which again is hard when you're a guy that talks for part of your living so i was kind of i was a bit nervous there when you asked me to do this i was like man my voice is a little <laughs> short at the moment but i'm happy to have a conversation anytime i just gotta stop and have some water breaks here and there to keep the keep the uh, voice box lubricated throughout the throughout the show but look we grind it out full privateer life just gotta grind it out yeah, mate. Well said. And, um, how did you find the Toowoomba, mate? Obviously, it was a pretty excellent day of racing. Um, the track looked pretty cool. Um, fans looked like they came out in force. So, yeah, just some of the takeaways on the on the track and the fans, mate, and just how it all panned out. And it was just great having it back on the calendar, wasn't it? Yeah, it was awesome. I said I get to I get to spend a lot of time in Toowoomba. Um, and yeah, for spectators, it's a absolute viewing spectacle, right? You can sit and literally anywhere and watch the whole racetrack. Um, the green, green rolling hills with the red clay dirt. Um, the contrast in that is amazing. So aesthetically, it looks good. Um, the way the track was delivered kind of surprised me a little bit. I was expecting it more deep, more uh, national spec. Um, but I know there were some other things that went on behind the scenes that contributed to kind of why the racetrack looked the way it did. And I was kind of but also it kind of did open up some good racing. It left the track fast and that place fast is pretty scary. And the speed those dudes are going around there, like again, TV and doesn't really do it justice and probably even sitting there wouldn't do it justice. The speed those guys were coming down some of those hills um, as the guys were in there a bit that they were flying. So um, they built all the jumps up nice and big, which again, you, you, when we go to nationals, that's the stuff you expect. Bigger jumps, bigger breaking bumps, bigger ruts. Like everything needs to be bigger and badder. So it, it showed that, but it just showed that the crowd turned out like every time we come to Queensland, and I hate being that guy that jumps on it every time, but you know, Queensland and Newcastle are two hubs of the sport in this country. Um, 
And you just tell by the turnout that we had there on the weekend, like it's a pretty big facility and it looked pretty packed. I'm like, wait till we get to to Coolum for this final one, which I believe is going to be huge. Um, I don't think people are going to be able to find anywhere to even get into the facility, which is my which is my ultimate goal, I guess, as yeah. as someone who's going to see Coolum disappear after this year, and I spent a lot of time there this year. Um, I want to see the place packed. I want to see it like. 20, 30, 50 people deep on the fence all the way around the racetrack and really go with the bang. But it just shows that, yeah, when we, when we do come to Queensland, we have a really good community of people that come out and support the races. And I, I could find out from the club what numbers they took through the uh, canteen and stuff, but that thing was pumping all damn day. And I'm like, that's how the clubs make money. So I'm cool. I'm down with it. But yeah, Toowoomba was cool. It was it was fun to to see it back, and again, I hope it earned its spot back on the series. Maybe not having all the Queensland ones back to back. I mean, I'm not not against it, yeah. but it'd be cool to sprinkle a few of them around so it doesn't just look like it's heavily favoured. I was going to also ask you, mate, why is uh, yeah like the sunny states is a great championship in Queensland? It seems like it's uh, a real hotbed of motocross, and you see things like uh, in other state championships there aren't quite as sort of active and sort of got all these heavy hitters coming to them. So what's the key reason behind all that, mate? It's just really pumping there. Um, yeah, it's hard. Uh, the promoting group that's a part of promoting the series this year has really put an emphasis on trying to get the the big guys back, racing state stuff. I mean, more racing is always good for them. Uh, and if they're all there at the same time, it's basically like doing a national and they get to spend more time racing against the guys they're going to go beat to get paid their money. Um, so we really work on that, really work on trying to have the, the, the right tracks. We have a lot of tracks here. We have uh, a lot of talent coming out of here. And again, these kids are growing up racing against the best dudes pretty much in the country anyway. So it's just kind of breeding a good, a good amount of young talent. There's plenty of talent around the country, don't get me wrong, but it just seems like they all come here or, you know, we've got kids flying in from WA to race the, the championship here. Um, New South Wales, Victoria, you know, from all over coming to to race Sunshine State MX Series. And it's just because they're looking for the speed, they're looking for the talent and the talent seems to be here. So, I mean, most of the industry is here. Most of the big importers are here, um, you know, Yamaha is based out of here. A lot of the teams are based out of here. Like it's kind of all here. Uh, I refer to it as the California of Australia. Like it's basically where everything is and it's probably not the greatest place for everything to be, but it just worked out that way. So I'm uh, I think that's why, but again, it's the, it all goes back to the promoting group, really trying to put in a big effort to make it feel like an event. Like it's looking at it, like besides a little bit more signage, you know, the sunny states look very, very similar to what the Prime X did at Toowoomba when they were there for their their round. So it's um that's kind of the goal, right? Is to be the step below. So everyone uses that as a stepping stone to get up from club stuff to their state stuff into, you know, Sunshine State MX series, then Prime X. That's kind of where it wants to put itself as a championship. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Just a quick word. Obviously, there's a couple of really good training programs like Ford Dales up there. And obviously, in Victoria, you got the Beatons Pro Formula. Just just your take on that stuff Um, obviously lifts the professionalism, lifts the level in general. Like you see, they do that kind of stuff in America with the Star Racing and Baker's Factory, this kind of stuff. Um, Your take on that? It's pretty cool, I guess, to have all those guys battling it out each day. Yeah, I mean, it, it just makes them better, uh, especially the kids on Ford's program and, and Ross's. And then not only that, I mean, uh, you know, Nathan Crawford, 
Uh, the older Nathan Crawford, yeah. he has a program up here, that zero zero elite rider training. So, you know, he's got Tanny, Crawford, Bar, like they're still dudes that are, you know, battling out for championships as well. So it's just the good guys riding with the good guys are just going to keep making themselves better. It's cool that they're inner team ones, like there's no team you can't ride with that dude or whatever. But yeah, um, yeah it is cool. And then Ross has got a, a massive crew of riders down there like every time i look i'm like dude that that just got bigger again yeah. like but you know those guys ross uh crawford and, and ford do, are all just absolute legends of our sport and know everything about it and know how to get these guys in peak condition and how to ride the bike properly and stuff and i'm like it's a no-brainer that we've gone down that route it'd just be uh it'd be cool to see obviously not more of them around because there's only a few that can do that sort of stuff, but just more opportunity for these other guys to be able to get into these sorts of things and, you know, afford to get in these programs and those sorts of things as well. Not that they're ridiculously high, but again, these guys are only one person. So you put 15 dudes on a program, you're only really getting a, a small chunk of notice. Right. So I know there's other trainers trying to fit into that mold right now and, I think they've got to earn their stripes, but at the moment it's cool to see see those guys because they're all elevating and making our sport better each each and every week. And and um, you see some of those training days I've got to see behind the curtains on some of them, and it's like the nationals is like an easy day for them compared <laughs> to what they're doing during the week. Yeah, mate, they're all in, that's for sure. And um, yeah, just talking back to the the racing at Toowoomba, obviously the retro round, um, you know, theme they had was really cool and just. Just tell us about Ferris's uh, performance too, mate. How good was he? He was he was just the fastest man. He was kind of a cut above, so consistent. Got the starts. Everything was dialed, mate. Just the speed he was going at. It's uh, pretty ominous for the rest of his competitors uh, heading into the last two, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Like he really, uh, he's written good there all year long. We've had a few events there where he's been able to ride in very similar tracks to what he rode. So it was a no brainer that he was probably going to be good and. He always bounces back too after he gets a, a, a butt whooping, right? Yeah. So when uh, Gilman happened, you knew he was going to come out to him and just really put a hurt on and seen a couple of his training days too that like just happened to be at the same track at the same time. And he was just, he was actually putting in sprint laps, believe it or not, not motos. He was just sprint lap after sprint lap, just two laps in or three laps in and start and do two more or whatever it was, the program he was doing. Um, so he was just working on being damn fast and early um and that's why his qualifying was so good too which is normally not the greatest at qualifying but he, he did that but yeah that track was like a throttle control kind of technical track and that is right in his wheelhouse if you've ever seen videos of him riding at his house in Kyogle, very similar like hard dry baked out hills like and he said on the podium it felt like riding at home at, at Kyogle. so I kind of knew it was going to be that kind of day, but um, you never always know. But I was I wasn't surprised when it happened. Yeah, mate, he was he was on fire, and yeah, sort of makes you think towards Erna, doesn't it, for the for the nation? Fair, <laughs> yeah. mate. But um, yeah, no, it was a, it was a masterclass. And what do you think keeps him going? He's obviously announced, you know, that he was going to stop, and then he's come back. He just looks revitalized, doesn't he, mate? And do you think we see him again next year, and maybe the next uh, few years, the way he's going? I mean, potentially it's, it's hard to say like each year he's retired. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Valid. Like you've, you've, you've nailed it. I mean, I don't want to even predict it anymore because it, <laughs> you always look kind of silly, but if, if he wins a championship, he may ride off into the sunset. He might go again. You don't know his Dean for And again, 
Dean Ferris probably doesn't even know. Like yeah. he is that talented that he could just have a couple months off like he did this year or last year. I think go, damn it, I want to go go do go do it again. And now he's battling for the championship uh with three rounds to go. You just never know with the guy. So I hope he does. The the one thing, and I, I'm going to give uh, my co-host on the, the Prime X show uh, plug here, Elijah Weesey. He's like, he doesn't look old when he rides though, which is a scary proposition for everyone else. Like he still scrubs and whips and throws the bike around like these kids. And it's like, you know, when a rider's getting old, when they lose that, he's still got it. So I think as long as he's got that, and he rides like that. I don't know. I never see him stopping, but you, you never know when that's going to disappear either. So I don't know. Dude. I, I hope he stays around. I love it. I grew up, you know, around him a lot as a young kid. And, you know, Dean and I have a really good relationship and it's kind of, it's cool to see him as a dad and, and walk around with the kids and stuff. Like it's, it's a full circle. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to, to see what the future holds with him, but I'm not going to predict anything because I mean, again, I don't think Dean knows what he's at at this point. Yeah, it's just cool to see him out there still. He obviously loves it so much and loves the competitive nature and just testing himself because it's essentially a, a privateer setup. He's running yeah. mates. And uh, how good are those Yamahas been this year too? Just generally, obviously, with <laughs> Clout and Tanti, it's an impressive uh, platform, isn't it? Well, I mean, it is. But if you actually look at the theme of the series, it's been uh, one weekend Honda, yeah. one weekend Yamaha. Yeah. And it's it's kind of been that trend yeah. all the way. We've literally had that. So if QMP goes away a Honda, I'm just going to be like, <laughs> this thing's rigged from the very yeah. beginning because it has been since round one, Honda, Yamaha, Honda, Yamaha, Honda, Yamaha dominated each week, each of those opposite weekends. So, um, but yeah, they they have that bike pretty dialed in. And I know they, they were all chasing it at the start of the year. CDR were chasing that motorcycle right up to round one and, and literally found something on the Friday over the road from one thaggy that helped them, which has kind of helped them for the rest of the year. So it wasn't all smooth sailing like it looks right now, but um yeah, they've got those things dialed in and and Dino just he he said, as long as there's a blue fender in front of me, like I don't care, you know what it is like i i just feel comfortable here and they had they, they had his championship bikes there um from the three years he was at cdr so it's kind of kind of cool to to see it all tie in but yeah they've they've been pretty good but those hondas have been keeping them on us at the same time yeah beaton's obviously struggled a little bit with the bike at various stages mate but he's he's generally looked really good and he just keeps plugging away picking up results no he's a class act obviously he's been in europe for many years a lot of our listeners will definitely know him well and yeah, it's kind of cool to see him back in Australia for our selfish, uh, you know, racing watching. But um, yeah, he's doing well, mate. He's still in the hunt, though, isn't he? He just keeps himself in there, doesn't he? Yeah, he's just been consistent. Um, yeah, again, he's not been super happy with his motorcycle and he's been very vocal about it, which is something that I really do like about your GP guys. Uh, <laughs> they are super open and honest when it comes to if the bike's not great, they're going to tell you there's no secret. Um, so yeah, I mean, he's just been consistent, just trying to trying to keep stacking points week in week out and and i think the next two we're gonna be kind of going into somewhat of his wheelhouse sort of tracks qmp and coolum especially coolum but qmp as well might kind of fit in there a little bit so uh it's gonna be a run down the stretch but last year dean went one i think pretty sure he went one one at at uh at qmp so it's it's gonna be super tight between those two but having jed backs being cool but you can definitely tell that he wants to go back to Europe and, and so he should, he's, he's a talent that deserves to 
be over there and, and battling in, especially on a 450, getting on that 450 bike and, and getting into to, to some of those big boys over there, that's for sure. Yeah, just obviously the injury uh, sort of ruined his progress last year after such a good debut on the 450 in uh, at Madeley Basin. So yeah, we hope to see him back out there, mate. But obviously, yeah, Tanty didn't have the day he would have wanted. Uh, he had pretty good speed. Obviously, no one had the speed of Ferris. But yeah, just that tip over at the end of the first motor, you can tell he was so frustrated and yeah, just solid in the second. And he's off to World Supercross trick. And uh, that was definitely playing on his mind, mate. Get through unscathed and uh, head to Birmingham. Uh, yeah, I, I guess so. Um... Yeah, that crash at Hendamoto 1, I think, rocked him a little bit. Just in a fact of like, shit, I, I do have to go to Birmingham here in, in two days. So, um, But again, he rode solid in that second one, really gave Ferris a run for his money. And just Dean in those conditions is just too good. So I think if you're Tanny, you're, you're kind of bummed about it. But again, there's been two races there this year at the start of the season, two local races, and both times the result has been very similar to what we saw on a weekend so again everything seems to trend in the same direction sometimes if you follow trends that was a trend and i kind of midway through that second mode i was like i think dean's gonna get him back here and go and then sure enough you know we got 10 minutes to go and dean flipped the switch and made the pass and it was all over you know so um it's kind of predictable when you've seen it a few times but then there's weekends like Gilman where you can't even put your finger on what's going on out there. It just keeps tossing up different <laughs> different things at you and you're trying to process them all. You're like, well, I had that. I didn't have that on my big go card today. So again, being in the media, sometimes you get it right. Most of the time you get it wrong though. <laughs> oh, there's been some wild tracks this year. Obviously that, that, that happened one with the 40 degrees and, you know, Mudder essentially, then Wodonga, the weather was wild, and then Gilman threw up its own set of challenges. So, yeah, yeah. it's unpredictable, mate, that's for sure. But one thing was definitely good to see Gibbs and Waters uh, out there doing pretty well. Obviously, Waters had that massive off in the second, but those guys are having a pretty cool battle, and those veterans are still showing they can hold their own, aren't they, mate? Yeah, I mean, it's funny. You just look back, and, you know, they were just off the, the those front three, and you're just like, here they are again. You, you, how many times do you think Todd or D, uh, Gibbsy have seen each other's back numbers and gone, damn, not this dude again. Like, and I battle someone else. But again, we get to the stretch run of these seasons and we get onto these tracks these guys know and they just, it's just clockwork for them, you know? And I know Gibbsy's been testing and trying to get himself a bit more comfortable. And uh, Todd has obviously been <clears throat> recovering from the shoulder, but he's had a lot of life changes in the last uh, eight months, nine months. So he's still dealing with that and had a you know fresh baby as well. So like he, he's all that stuff does play in. I know we're talking about professional athletes at the top yeah. level, but at the same time, they're still human. So it's cool to see them actually showing their results. I talked to Todd post-race and I was like, dude, you're too old to be doing that. <laughs> and he's like, honestly, like, my ribs hurt bad, but I'll be right. I'll I'll uh we'll rest them up. We'll be good to go. So, um, same deal. Like Todd and I have been, you know, really good mates since we were real young. You know, he used to fly down from Cairns and race Sunny States. Like again, that Todd Waters race the Sunshine State MX Series as a kid from Cairns, and geographically don't know where that is. That's a twenty yeah. twenty two hour drive. So, uh, he wouldn't fly. He'd drive with mum and dad. So they were committed to that. So that kind of shows what that series was and and is going to go back to at some point, but. Yeah, so I always we just talk about that kid stuff and, and really uh, like talk about three percent motorbikes with him. But yeah, it was good to see him back and and again Gibbsy when he's you know when he gets back on it, 
he's just such a the diesel engine. Like he just keeps going. You're never gonna get quit and uh in Kirk Gibbs, that's for sure. And uh, do you reckon we see them both go around next year, mate? Uh, hopefully, obviously, with, with these veterans are really keeping it alive and keeping the young fellas honest, aren't they? They are, but I think there's some young uh, young talent that wants to get in there as well, which they're <laughs> kind of uh, keeping some seats warm. But honestly, uh, uh, I don't know. I I would like so like to hope so, but I don't think so. I I think I think we see I think we see Kirk maybe move on. Uh, and then obviously Todd is he can just slide into running his yeah. his team, you know. So um, when he's ready to do that, I think he will. And and maybe this year's kind of the all right, you know, like this is getting kind of hard. But yeah, you know, it's a, it's a toss of the coin. I think they those guys are, are the same. Um, I think Gibbsy might be pretty close. Like I just I don't know. Just there's been no real chatter about next season yet um, for him, and he obviously doesn't do Supercross, so. Maybe he sits Supercross out and, oh, yeah, rejuvenate and go again. But I think KDM are, are probably got, you know, there's a there's a dude with a 199 on his bike mm. that's pretty going to be pretty good when he hops on a 450. So they're not in a rough spot where they're going to lose a big name and or anything like that. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I They're kind of 50-50s for me at the moment. But if I was to say one doesn't go around, I'd, I'd maybe say Gibbsy might not go around again. Um, Pod can because he has a team and he can – side himself if he wants or he doesn't have to, he can put someone else on. So that's where I'm at. I think I think they're they're fifty fifties, but if I was gonna lean one way, I think I think maybe we don't see Kirk go around again. But I, I hope he stays in the industry for sure. Yeah, absolutely, mate. He's a good man to have around. And uh yeah, just with your man Webster, mate, obviously great mates with him. Uh had a bit of an up and down season. Yeah, just yeah, highs and lows everywhere. B- bad luck up the hole in the arm at Maitland. Uh, obviously had that awesome win at Gilman was great to see him return to form and sort of, you know, let the results reflect his speed, mate. And it was just sort of a standard weekend for him, mate. Happy to get through it, pick up some points. But he's always fun to watch ride, isn't he? He's a class act, just really technical, so talented, isn't he? Oh, yeah, full of talent. I mean, I'm not biased at all when I say that. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it wasn't the greatest weekend for him and and he was kind of not real happy with it. But again, it's tough when you go off a 1-1 weekend, you know, the round before. So... Uh, you know, he's going to be super dominant in the sand like he was last year when we go to Coolum. Um, QMP will be 50-50, depending on how the track's prepped there. So I know he's a lot, he's getting a lot better at those hard pack tracks, but he still obviously has some some time to make up, especially on guys like Dean and that, that are just, you know, and Tanty and, and Cloudy even, that are perfectionists at that sort of stuff. So He's getting better. I mean, technically, this is only second year on a 450, right? So he's he's not really, um, you know, a veteran in the class. So he's got time to learn and, and, and go with it. But, uh, yeah, bad luck has been the uh, the key word in that whole thing. And But, hey, he's still... He's still a nice guy. He still looks good on and off the off the bike. So we'll just keep going with that. No. Yeah. No, no, no hate there. <laughs> no, nah, mate, we can see the jersey uh, hanging up on the wall there, mate. So he's he's definitely uh, definitely one of the favourites, and rightfully so. And yeah, just a couple of other sort of thoughts on the 450 class, mate. Obviously, Clout he he was sort of got through, and you know, off the World Supercross as well. Great effort by Watson and Harwood and these kind of guys. Evans getting yeah. it back in there, and obviously Metty Metcalf yeah. still going around for some of those American listeners uh, that are familiar with him, mate. It's it's impressive to see him still going, isn't it? 
Yeah, I mean, Medi's always, you know, got the long gray hair hanging out the back of the helmet. It's, you know, it's it's super cool to see uh, a guy like Medi continue to 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 go around with the circus. But uh, yeah, those young kids are coming, but like a, you know, Watson was probably the standout for me on the weekend. Um, young kid out of Central Queensland, and he's only really young. Again, I still haven't confirmed his age from the two podcasts I've done this week already. Um, but I know he's in that 19, 18, 20 category somewhere in around there. But he is, uh, yeah, he's a super talent of the future and rides a full 50 like a, like a full 50 should be ridden. So it's cool to see those results coming through. And uh, yeah, Hamish Harwood is same sort of thing. Like, I don't think people realize that dude during a week literally works a proper construction job. Like he, yeah, last time I spoke to him, he flew out. I think it was Wodonga. They flew out. He got home at like 4 a.m. New Zealand time and just went straight to work, slept on the plane, went straight to work, worked all day, come home and kind of rested and like worked Monday after Pro MX in a different country. Like I, he just, he's an, he's an animal. And I love, uh, I love me some Hamish Harwood. He's, he is a, again, another really nice guy down earth, but, he just he's a warrior man and you just keep looking at him god dude like he's still in that right there with the pro yeah. dudes like the factory guys like he's right there sticking to him all the time and it'd be like that that little chihuahua nipping at your heels that's him he's just always there and these factory guys like what is how is he still here so i love it because it just shows what you know not always does a factory bike mean that you're going to be the best rider on the track so it's uh yeah i like to see those those other guys coming through and and featuring inside the top 10. Yeah, it's cool to see all that sort of, yeah, sacrificing and work he's putting in paying off, mate, because uh, yeah, it's not easy coming from New Zealand and doing all that. And on the topic of New Zealand, obviously Brody Connolly's come over here, been a really shrewd pickup by your Reeves team. I chat to him yeah, a few months ago now, just a good young kid, mate, really talented. And the future's definitely bright for him, mate. He, um, he's already won around, obviously, in that shocking, you know, mudder and Wodonga. But your thoughts on another Kiwi there, mate? He's Got a pretty bright future, and do you think maybe next year we'll see him challenging for that title? Yeah, I mean, there's no reason. I mean, he got pretty sick after, or at Wodonga, or after Wodonga, he got pretty sick. Um, so that's kind of he was on a, you know, maybe going to go on a bit of a run there for for a period. But yeah, he's a he's a super talent. I uh, I definitely had him down as a as a podium guy, if not a winner at Toowoomba, and it's a little disappointed it didn't happen because I've seen him ride that track pretty good, but. Yeah, I mean, he did those few races last year uh, for WBR and as a fill-in and went home and, you know, we kind of started a petition to someone called Connolly. And, I mean, he got the call and I think he's been delivering for Uribe, you know, like obviously... Well, the nations too? Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. So, I mean, Uribe has is, is obviously got Wilson Todd as his championship guy, but damn, Brody, Brody's won, has had one races. He's He's been up there on the podium. Like, he's... He's not a bad number two rider if you want to call him a number two rider. So I think I think next year if those guys move up, I definitely think he's a he's a championship dude um, for sure. And and again, he's a big sacrifice. He's moved from his hometown of New you know home country of New Zealand, living here in Australia, even though it's a massive, little, no family, no nothing. Like he's just down there grinding in the Beatons Pro Formula. So another year of that under his belt, he's uh, yeah he could be anything for the future, which is awesome. Yeah, mate, absolutely. And obviously we've touched on Crawford and, and Todd and they're just, yeah, they're pretty well primed for that 450 step now. They're 
the results are excellent. The riding's just said uh, they're just that next level above. And but how good was Noah Ferguson, mate? He's obviously super fast. He's uh pretty wild, great to watch on the bike. Obviously, in the past he's had probably more crashes than he would have liked. Sort of reminds me of a, a Ruben Fernandez in uh, when he was in MX2, I guess. And but now he's sort of last 18 months, he's sort of hopefully Noah can embark on that sort of step like Fernandez in MXGP. He's a consistent, not so flashy guy, just gets the points. Factory Honda HRC getting the job done with uh yeah, Ferguson looked good on that gas gas, mate. He was those lap times, especially, he was really matched the top two, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Um, he's he's always been good. I've I've known Noah since he was very young, and um, he's so much talent. I, I've seen him do things on a motorcycle that you just think that that you know you can't do that, and sure as sure enough, he's doing it. And you're like, all right, well, that's obviously possible now. Uh, so yeah, it's cool to see him. As I said, it's just been those mistakes and crashes and things that have kept him and on the factory team, off the factory team, back on the factory team. So seems like there's a little stability there now for him. <laughs> um, and uh, making the move down and and also being another part of the the Beatons Pro Formula crew, um, has definitely helped. I think sort of shape that for him. It's just consistency now. Like if he can consistently roll these things off one after another, he'll uh, yeah, he'll be definitely tough to beat in a stretch of a championship, but it's uh it's a big step from winning races to a championship and, and he hasn't quite won one yet. So, or, or an overall, should I say? So it's coming. It, you've seen it on the weekend. It's coming. And I mean, he's done, he did a lot of laps around Coolum as a kid. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him running up there as well. So just, uh, yeah, Noel Fergus is one for the future that is going to keep, going to keep shining here at a point. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Do you see any sort of plans overseas for him in the future? Uh, he's obviously definitely got the talent. It's just sort of piecing it all together and getting the opportunity, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's having the having the people that give you the opportunities to go over there and uh, be a part of it. So I haven't really heard any rumblings, but I mean, obviously the European guys are watching our series and can see it. So I think if there's more consistency, more raw speed, I think potentially could get a phone call, but at the moment, I think he's just got to build himself in this championship and, and get better. And he would be a great addition to those championships if he could you know, get himself over there. Yeah. Another man that's, uh, you know, just plugs away, consistent, solid, really impressive is Reese Bart. Obviously had that win a few rounds ago now. Um, his first one, I had a chat to him after that and he's yeah, just a good young bloke, uh, works hard. He's up there at the Ford Dale training, training with a lot of good guys, getting better all the time really dedicated to his craft, isn't he, mate? So they're the kind of guys, you know, you, you definitely want to see him succeed like all of them, don't you? Yeah, for sure. He's, uh, he's you know, actually become kind of a mate of mine too, which is odd. Like, you know, you try not to bro down with these guys too much. You've got to be media. And, and I mean, I still call a spade a spade. If he's off, he's off, you know, but he respects that. And yeah, he's a good dude. He's He's come like... Again, if you know geographically where Mount Druid is in, in Sydney, it's uh not the nicest neighborhood in the world. So he's come from that sort of upbringing. So he's very, you know, very respectful, but very gutsy and gritty, right? Mm. Like he knows how to get in and just grind and, and work hard. And, and uh, yeah, I, I really, as I said, he's another guy that I've kind of really built a great relationship with and always has time to do whatever I need. And, you know, actually help him out with some stuff for his vlog and, you know, he runs a helmet sticker deal. So it kind of all goes around around circles, right? But it's, it's, you don't, don't do that for everyone. You only do it for dudes like that and his partner, like they're just, they're super nice people. So, um, but yeah, he is, he, to me, he's not the, the raw speed flashy dude, but 
like if you want someone who's got grit and determination, never going to give up, Reese Budge, your guy, like he'll just keep going until until he's dead. And then he'll probably try and get back up and go again. Like he's he's very tough individual. Yeah, it's a great, great quality to have in a motocross athlete and just a person in general, mate, just to keep grafting away. And that usually those kinds of people, the results come in the end, you know, given time. So another bloke that uh, definitely deserves a mention is Ryan Alexanderson, obviously stepping up from MX3 to MX2. Really impressive day. Had great speed, battling with Connolly a lot, battling with the factory guys. Sort of can't say much more than that, mate. It's great progress again. Yeah, he's another kid. Uh, he's grown up here in Southeast Queensland and just uh, been a part of that whole grind. He was kind of one of those kids affected by COVID. Like he, he stepped up into the senior ranks right in that period and kind of lost a year of development. So he's starting to find his his form here now. And uh, yeah, when when Ryan Alexander switches it on, he really can switch it on. So yeah, he's a kid for the future that I have been a factory in an MX2 class. And again, like there's going to be some seats available. I wouldn't be surprised if his name doesn't start getting thrown around for some of these seats that become available because he's that next kid. So, and he's young, he's only 19 years old. Like he's plenty of time to develop. Uh, there's no age rule here in Australia, so he's can ride that class till he's 50 if he wants. But I think he's got plenty of time to develop. We can move some of these kids, you know, these older guys up a bit and, and move some of the older guys out, which is sounds bad, but I, you know, it needs to happen because we've got a lot of MX3 coming through. So it's kind of that thing that the progression we need to see and to move our sport forward. But he's got to be in line for some of these open seats next year for sure if if, if he hasn't already done a deal. Yeah, there's going to be interesting to see what happens because obviously there's quite a lot of guys out injured in that class too. And, you know, obviously a lot of guys pushing for opportunities. And one of them would be Liam Andrews as well, mate. Another great performance. He just keeps putting it in there, mate. It's it's an impressive effort that him and the team do on, on a pretty sort of small scale, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that uh, Elliott Brothers Spectro racing team, they uh, really have, you know, first-year outfit, really worked hard on, you know, giving these guys the best opportunity they can. Uh, but yeah, Liam Andrews, he was looking like this last year until he had his foot injury and we lost him. So seems like he's getting back to that point again. Uh, I still don't think his foot's a hundred percent, but he, he's another just young kid that's just got talent and the ability and the drive to overcome these obstacles that are in front of him. So it's cool to see him starting to get back to that form because it's scary when they have a, a, an injury like that, and then it, you just never see him again. It's cool to see him come back and keep trying to progress and hopefully it leads into opportunities for the future. But that team is cool because we need more of those, you know, those Elliott Brothers racing teams where they're, you know, dealership, you know, same with WBR and, and guys like that, dealership owned teams that, you know, put a lot back into the racing scene and progress it. So I love seeing them and, and they did a pretty cool retro Honda, you know, the old Woody Woodpecker sticker kit for there. So I was, I was down around that, the 03 spec. I was like, Oh yeah, right in my wheelhouse now let's go. So, uh, but yeah, those boys do, those boys do a good job. So I'm excited to hopefully see them progress and build that program into the future for, for more stars of the sport. Yeah, it's good to see those sort of programs and setups coming through. Obviously, there's a few in Europe that, um, you know, do the, do the European GPs and it's impressive what they do and they seem to, you know, channel their resources really intelligently into giving these guys opportunities and the best, you know, bikes and parts they can have. So another guy, mate, that's uh, obviously he was a bit injured with the thumb, Caleb Barham, but he, he's another man that's been working so hard and 
great to see him get that opportunity, but untimely injury, obviously. But expect him probably one of the few that will enjoy the next uh, little break between the next round eight. Yeah, hundred percent. He's got a he's got to have three weeks off the bike just to let the actual injury heal properly. Uh, and then he said he'll do a four week block leading into QMP, which is you know he's done a lot of work preseason, so he should be right. Shouldn't lose too much, but. Yeah, there was not a chance he was ever missing Toowoomba. Yeah. You know, he grew up there his whole life. Um, so he was going to do everything he possibly could to, to tape his handlebar. But yeah, it, it was hurting. I went and seen him after Moto One, and I'm like, "You're hurting." He's like, "Yeah, bad." And I was like, "You got to gut out the next one." He did. He gutted out the next one, and you know, he put the two motos together. He stacked the points. He did. You know, he <clears throat> he hasn't really missed around. He only missed a race at Maitland, but um, you know, and and then you know, the second one at Gilman. So he's, he keeps trying, but yeah, untimely injury, especially when he finally gets the opportunity he's looking for, but that is a sport sometimes. But there's one thing you can't doubt is his drive to want to continue to be there. He's not just like, Oh, well, look, I'm injured. I better sit out now. Like he's, he's like, I'll just keep taping this thing up and try my hardest and um, I'll show up, see what I can do. So as long as the team keep putting the bike together, he's going to keep being on the track. Yeah, you got to admire it, mate. And um, yeah, another one, Yoki Yama got back sort of where he should be. Uh, obviously, the season hasn't gone as he would have liked, mate. He's, his starts haven't been like they were last year. Obviously, he's not 100% all year, but um, cool addition having him in the series. Obviously, I spoke to Taka a while ago and he was saying, you know, you got to come to Australia because it's much better than Japan, obviously. So it's a good test here for you to get better to just to expose yourself to that competition. And yeah, he looked good on that bike too, didn't he, mate? He's a little pocket rocker, didn't he? Yeah, he's uh, starting to get back to somewhat of that form. You know, <clears throat> I just watched the the Supercross uh, life video they did on him and forgot how good his starts were last year. So I don't know what happened to those starts this year. He hasn't been able to get one of them. But uh, yeah, this weekend looked a little bit better. But again, if you look at some of those uh, Japan nationals, a track very similar to Toowoomba they have on the schedule. So it's not surprising he was a bit better yeah, no, absolutely. Just any other riders you'd like to sort of touch on MX2. Obviously, Minia didn't have the day he would have liked. Yeah, there's a few of those sort of privateer guys always putting their hand up and doing well in that class too because sort of forget that like they're, they're not in the top 10, but it's still the classes are really high level. So to, to just get those top 20s, it's pretty impressive. And obviously, Charlie Cannon was racing too, wasn't she? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, having Charlie there was cool. But yeah, you, you're right. Like, it's such a deep field. And, and, you know, even these dudes back in 12th, 13th, 14th place, like, they're still pretty pretty badass on a motorcycle so it's uh it's a tough tough sport a tough class that one especially mx2 but where the the bike is a, a little bit more of a factor right having a having a pretty good race engine underneath you but no nah, it's uh it's cool but i want to see some of these top guys move on and kind of shift everything up and that's that's what we need to see next and it's going to be a deep field for a while i think that mx2 class yeah, and obviously a man will be getting back at the next round is uh, your good mate Elijah Weesey, who's been filling in with those podcasts <laughs> with you, mate. So just yeah, he was rocking his own sort of lit kit. So just sort of tell us about how you got him on board with the podcast. Yeah, what are his plans for the future with his racing? Obviously, doing the last two, won't he? Yeah, yeah. So he's doing QMP and Coolum. Um, I he just did a podcast. Well, uh, actually, I met him at Supercross last year again, just trying to do more privateer stuff and. He come over to me and we hit it off pretty well. And uh, I mean, if you've listened to my podcast, you'll know full well about Tilly's at Wagga. Uh, we all bonded well there at uh, an after party. But uh, he just he just loves the sport too. He's a massive fan of the sport. And um, I approached him and said, "Hey, like I kind of need a co-host for this show. Are you down?" And he was he couldn't say yes fast enough, which is which was nice. Um, 
was a big commitment. I was like, dude, you're right. Like it's, it's, you know, eight rounds, eight week, eight shows and that. And he was, he was down for it. Um, so yeah, he's, he's been a good addition and loves it. And he's got good connections in the industry too. Like he knows a lot of these riders, he knows a lot of the team personnel here and there, a lot of mechanics and things like that. So, uh, he's a great addition to the, to the program, but, uh, yeah, he kind of said he wanted to come to Toowoomba and I was like, man, if you're going to come to Toowoomba and bring the heat, let's make it happen. So we got him up here and he brought all the jerseys. He got a lot of TV time. I was kind of annoyed. <laughs> I was like, mate, if I'm going to pay for it, I better get the logo on the jersey next time because yeah, he was uh, more TV time then than he ever had. That was pretty cool, mate. He was lapping it up, wasn't he? So yeah, <laughs> he was, he little... was the MVP of the uh, MVP of the Saturday program. I tell you, Hogs was trying to have a go, but uh, yeah. Elijah he actually brought his own long hair and everything. He yeah. was dialed in. He loved it. Oh, absolutely, mate. It was uh, it was pretty cool to see. And just sort of your your sort of title picks for obviously you'd probably suggest that Wilson Todd's uh, probably too far ahead to be yeah. beaten, but you never know what happens. And uh, do you think anyone can get Ferris done in the MX One, mate? Uh yeah, yeah. Uh, NATO's going to need a lot of luck going his way to run down. Um, Wilson Todd 450 class yeah it's got to be tight I said Coolum and I know Dean's good at Coolum too but I just feel like you know Jed's going to have something there for him so the gap's not that big I mean honestly the fairy tale in me would like to see Dean do it you know on, on that program on that sort of thing but at the same time, it'd be cool to see Jed come back and win one too. So I'm torn between the two guys. Like I really, at this point, can't split them. The only, the only deciding factor for me is QMP. Like if if Dean goes another one one or two one or something like that at QMP, but stacks a few more points, I think he can manage Coolum just running in behind Jed if Jed starts getting a run on it. So that's kind of my pick. I think if if depends how. Ask me after QMP, and I'll probably give you a hot tip of who it's going to be. But at this point, I'm kind of like if Jed has a good QMP, which is supposed to be the Honda swing, if my trend keeps going the way yeah. it goes, if he has a good QMP, he could have the red points, red plate back by the end of QMP. And man, it's open slather when we get to cool them. So uh, there's there's one thing you'll know for sure in a 450 class. So Webster's going to be good at cool them. So yeah. that's all I'm worried about. <laughs> yeah. And just how just how stacked do you believe that 450 class is? Obviously, I spoke to a couple of guys like Beaton and Webster and Duffy coming into it, and they were just saying, you know, maybe the most stacked in you know the last few years, maybe a decade, um, and it's probably only going to get stronger with guys like Todd and Crawford moving into it, mate. So like we were yeah. saying, it's a definitely a good problem to have for the series, isn't it? So maybe they can sort of capitalize on those heavy battles, maybe add a couple of rounds uh, moving yep. forward. It'd be pretty awesome to prolong it as much as possible. Yeah, I mean, there's... There's a like we spoke about preseason. I was like, dude, this is like stacked. Like, look at these names, and you know, like it, it could only get more. Like, you know, there's the you know, if if Evans does come back, I mean, you add him into the mix. Geez, like it's great. I love it because it 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 shows the the parity in our sport that the old guys are still quick. The kids are still quick. The kids are learning stuff from the old guys. The old guys are learning stuff from the kids. Like it's, and it's been swings and roundabouts. I mean, I, I I can't remember a championship in the last little while that the red plate has swapped this many times through a championship. And it's only been two guys that swapped between, but it doesn't matter. It's it's been switching hands a lot. And I'm like, I can't remember. Like last year, once once Tanty got it, he had it all year, you know. And it it's been like that for the years previous. Um, but it's it's cool and as you said, like you add NATO Crawford and Wilson Todd into there. Whew. 
it's uh yeah she's deep like you're battling for a top 10 and you're like you're a title dude the 10th position so yeah for the sport as i said it, it's it's in a trajectory to be great we just need to make sure we keep building with that with that talent coming through as well otherwise we we could see it top off uh pretty quickly yeah, it's certainly, yeah, it's looking good, mate, that's for sure. And just capitalising on that sort of upward trajectory is what, it, what what needs to be done, like you said. And just a quick one on America, mate. Can anyone stop the Lawrence brothers this weekend? And obviously, it's a massive weekend of racing. You've got MXGP in Indonesia and World Supercross kicking off. So, mate, any thoughts on those two? But, uh, yeah, Lawrence brothers, obviously, where we're at being Aussies. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been a pretty good run so far. Let's hope it doesn't end because uh, it'd be a great story at the end of the year if it, if it continues. and. I, I said that backdrop they've been signing on the podium, uh, that'd be worth a lot of money if they could do the whole thing uh, together. But uh, Red Bud's one of those ones, you get those outliers too, right? There's a few dudes that are good at Red Bud that'll come into their own. They've had a week off too, which can shake out a few bugs on a few different programs. So uh, yeah, I, I hope they continue. But yeah, Red Bud is uh, 4th of July weekend in America is a big deal. So uh, it'll be cool. Uh, yeah, we've got Indonesia, which is again like... You add that on top of World Supercross on top of Red Bud, like I'm strapped strapped to the couch this weekend. There's yeah. not much room to to go and enjoy. Well, I, I'm not actually. I'm going to be at an event here in Queensland, so um, it's good. Uh, lots of racing is good, but as a media guy, as you would know, I uh, guess it's, it's a lot of content to get through in a in a short period of time. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing obviously World Supercross kick back off again, just to see what that looks like for 23, right? We've seen it in 22. We've seen it uh, pilot season, all that sort of stuff. I want to know what 24 looks like. Obviously, we already had the change with the French uh, GP being cancelled and adding Abu Dhabi. So there's obviously changes. The things are you know, still happening behind the scenes, but I guess it's the same with MXGP. The, the, that program seems to change a little bit here and there too, just depending on countries and stuff. So everyone's kind of talking about it like oh geez things are but if you look at the gps they still have the same problem they've been going forever so um yeah i'm excited to see what what uh what world supercross looks like for 23 and um yeah i mean get to melbourne obviously and and see it all unfold down there for us i'd like to get to a few more but again budget constraints yeah. really really hurt again you had that you had america you had gps you had mx nations in australia <laughs> yeah i mean we need to Media needs to make more money in the country. I don't know how that happens, but we need to need to figure that one out quickly. Yeah, mate, we need some substantial backing, that's for sure. But um, I just wanted to quickly ask you, there was murmurings of an MXGP coming to Australia in the future. Um, you got any more sort of insight or you heard any more rumours about that? Uh, well, I think it got announced the other day. Um, it's going to be in Adelaide at Taylor Bend. So the owner, he was on a radio show saying oh, that they're yeah. going to have a GP in 24. So I don't know how confirmed, confirmed that is, but oh, the cool. owner of the, the owner of the motorsport park was on a radio show talking about it. So um, I don't know if it's a hundred percent confirmed, but it's definitely like a, a 98% possibility that, that uh, yeah, Taylor Bend is going to create a, a brand new race circuit. Uh, we're going to have a GP um, and from rumors I've heard, it could tie in with a Prime X round as well, all in the same weekend. So the definitely the rumors are out there. The 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 murmurs are swirling. But uh yeah, I said that the actual owner of Taylor Bed Motorsports Park uh has yeah, did a did an interview the other day and I listened to it and he was sort of confirming it. But 
again, say GPs, you don't know until it's <laughs> yeah. there, right? So um, the schedule will come out. If Australia's on there, Australia's on there. If it's not, then we'll uh, we'll build for 25. So I think it, it's definitely a goal to have a GP in Australia in the next uh, couple of years and try and have it a staple of the series. I know that's been something that's been talked about a lot in the industry is, is trying to get GPs back in Australia. I'm all for it. Get the world talent over here. I know it's a long way. It'd be like the Indonesia rounds, but I feel like you probably get more buy-in coming to Australia than Indonesia from some of these privateer or you know privately funded mm. programs or the smaller guys over into GPs. Like, okay, we'll, we'll go. And then again, if you need gate fillers, we've got a full yeah. talent of gate fillers down there. So I don't think you're going to have a 20-man field. I think you'll have a 40-gate full of, oh, of yeah. wild cards here in Australia. So it's a no-brainer, I think, for GPs. I think it's just obviously logistically making it happen and having a world-class track is uh, is probably the the other big hurdle that we got so uh, yeah let's see what happens I'm I'm uh, I'm down I'm definitely going if it's coming let's yeah. and if it's part of Prime X I'm definitely yeah let's let's make that happen all that together let's go racing yeah two for one mate you, you see Australia's obviously such a massive dirt bike market it just makes so much sense on so many levels obviously um with Indonesia obviously they sell a lot of you know the scootery kind of bikes as opposed to the the actual dirt bikes which is you know it's got its own sense doing that too because you know that's what people use for their transport and obviously the governments pay a lot of money and things like this so but yeah coming to Australia just be so good mate it's been off the off the cards for way too long and um just before we wrap up mate just what's on the on the cards for future content, anything uh, sort of particularly exciting coming up and, and uh, where can the fans follow you and listen to and, and read your stuff? Yeah. Uh, exciting wise is just trying to get through the next two rounds. I mean, we've got a seven week break. Uh, so we're trying to create content uh, from the American stuff and obviously world supercross stuff, but uh, yeah, I mean, get through those final two rounds. Uh, I got to take a while to reset, get my live shows and everything back up and running uh, since moving facilities but uh, yeah, motolimited.au on on Instagram or motolimited.au is a website and it has links to everywhere you can find our stuff and uh, podcasts are on all podcast platforms. So yeah, check it out and, and be around it. And as I said, we're grinding away trying to make things happen here. But uh, yeah, it's a it's a work in progress. And as I said, had a big change with everything here. So still trying to set it up. I mean, my makeshift studio here at the moment is not the uh the heights of the old one i used to have but we'll we'll get it back when it's uh when it's time so it's uh yeah come and check it out and, and be a part and as i said probably giveaways plenty of competitions plenty of stuff going on to keep the fans interacting with everything so uh yeah instagram is probably the main hub if you get on there you'll pretty much find everything you want to know about all our stuff yeah cheers mate yeah keep it going mate because the stuff's quality and yeah the fans want to hear about and read about aussie motocross it's it's definitely all there it's a great asset to the sport here and just finally mate would you like to give anyone any shout outs and say thanks to anyone particular uh yeah i mean obviously elijah weesey and uh steve hall have been two guys that have been creating a, a help create a lot of content uh steve hall does a lot of written articles for the website which is nice I uh, wish I had time to sit down and write a lot of cool stuff that he he does. I don't think he has time, but he's really good at it. Uh, and then Elijah obviously helped me with the with the Primax stuff. Uh, and then I got a young fella in New Zealand, Blake Maitland. He helps me. We did New Zealand podcasts at the start of the year for the Nationals over there when they were cranking. And he gives me a lot of stats and facts and stuff. He's just an absolute lover of the sport. I mean, he watches French Supercross Championships on YouTube and He's ridiculous. I, I pay him out. I said, man, you need to find like a hobby or something because I don't know how you watch all this extra racing, but 
they're just great assets to my to to my platform and and uh again we're all like-minded we all just love the sport we love racing we love even just riding dirt bikes i mean it's not racing's the the easy part to talk about right but it's it's just dirt bikes in general so um yeah i want to give those guys a shout out for for continuing to to help us out and, and be a part of the program and make uh make life a little bit easier on me so i can uh continue to to try and think of weird and wonderful ways to to keep everyone loving this sport and and help people stay in it too uh financially it's a really expensive mm. sport so if there's any way i can help out i try and try and help everyone out yeah absolutely mate well said and before we let you go we'd just like to thank the sponsors in fly racing monster energy fox parts europe scott bell helmets acherbys asv performance kawasaki uk ktm uk and of course even strokes for all their support as without them none of this would be possible all right, thanks again, uh, Trent, for joining us, mate. It's been a ripper of a podcast and all the best for the future. We hope to get you on again soon. No, I appreciate it, mate. It's uh, definitely weird being on this side of the the uh, podcast thing, but uh, no, I appreciate you guys giving us the time. And and uh, again, MX Vice for, for coming in and yourself for coming and being a part of our small Prime X Championship here in, in Australia. It's always cool to see different media outlets coming over and covering our sport and just shining more light on our awesome talent we got sitting down here. Absolutely, mate. Well said. Cheers.